I'm Kendra Tomolato, here with Mei Zhang, and this is the China Travel Podcast by Wild China Travel. Each week, we'll be heading to a new place in China to share our top local tips and tricks, highlighting our favorite food, hotels, and experiences, as well as sharing resources. We'll be recording these episodes live on Clubhouse every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Pacific Time, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. And after the podcast portion, we'll open up for live Q&A and story sharing. So if you'd like to join live, please follow Mei at Zhang Meijia or me at Kaytan Bellotto. If you're joining or catching up on past episodes, we encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. And lastly, if you're interested in traveling China with us or attending any of our other virtual events, please visit our website at wildchina.com. For this episode, we are heading to Shanghai to chat with Wild China Guide and Shanghai native Flo. My name is Zhang Mei, founder of Wild China. Here today, I have a very special guest, Florence Ma, a longtime Wild China Guide in Shanghai and our local partner in Shanghai. She knows Shanghai, both the old and the new like the back of her hand. So I'm delighted to have her here sharing her story and her tips on how to travel China, how to enjoy Shanghai like a local. Welcome, Florence. Give us a little background on yourself, what it was like growing up in Shanghai. First of all, I have a Chinese name. Last name is Ma. It's a family name and given name is Huiming. And Flo was the English name given by my teacher from primary school. I was born during a very important transition stage of China. There were two significant policies released by Chinese government, the one-child policy and the opening and reform policy. Both of these two policies laid a very significant impacts to my and the following generations. And my parents were working in the same huge state-owned factory. Lucky they were not the workers. My mom was accountant and my father was the head of a division. So I'd grown up in an average family. When I was little, a kid, I spent years in my grandma's house. You know, we all had those great memories of playing with our cousins in grandma's house or grandpa's home, you know. So my grandma's house on my mother's side was located in the former French concession. I just grown up with the seeing all these exotic buildings sort of like wondered which country did they belong to, you know, why they look so different from the Chinese architectures. So when I went to university, my family income was stable, but not good enough to afford me to go abroad for more kind of a high level education. Being the only child, my parents did not want me to leave them for a long time. So instead of going abroad, I went to the international department of the university. I felt very curious on learning different culture and language as well. So thanks to my teacher in the university who was an American and we did kind of a culture exchange program and she ended up teaching me more English than the Chinese I could teach her. So I decided to use my English skill. And one more important fact about China was in the late 1990s, the increasing number of expatriates coming to Shanghai and China to work changed the whole scene. And English became a very important skill. I took advantage of my skill and just tried to do some work, which can use my capability at the same time, do something with meanings. So I like to be sort of like we call the people-to-people ambassador as, you know, when we receive our clients from abroad, when we introduce our cities and we wish to pass our passion to our clients. For anybody who's listening to this podcast, this is the quality of Chinese education system flows level of English. No, 
Just joking. Flo is a very special case. Very talented. <laughs> I wish all the guys around the country all have the same level of English. But regardless, I think every guy that I've encountered in different parts of China all come with unique charm and local knowledge. Language、yeah. is really only part of the、yes. communication that connects people. Since you mentioned Flo, your grandmother's、mm-hmm. house in the French concession, would it be possible for you to give us a for the first timers give us a lay of land Shanghai's old and new Shanghai very different from the traditional cities as you or we learn from the China kind of a larger map when we mention China especially the older part we would say Beijing Xi'an but the Shanghai is located in the midpoint of east coast of China. And has a very strong influence from the Opium War, which was during 1840 to 1920s. And the Opium Wars literally brought the Western influences into China, including food, architecture, and style. A lot of the kind of lifestyles as well. So in Shanghai, we have now the former, we have to say former, former French concession, the former British and American concession, and Together with the Chinatown, the traditional old town, and the new part of Shanghai called Pudong New Area. When I mention Pudong, fewer people would have any link, you know, like what is that place? But if I name a few movies, Mission Impossible Three, Skyfall, and a Her, very romantic anatomy movie, they all had their shots in Shanghai's Pudong, covering the TV tower and those monster skyscrapers. So when I say French concession, It refers to a smaller area on the western bank of the river, with the French population and a bunch of other groups' existence during those tricky period. They left some of the city's most picturesque gardens, mansions, apartments, and a lot of legacies as well. So in Shanghai, we would consider French concession not just a name, but sort of like a iconic landmark for chic or glamorous style. This is also a must-see spot. I love Shanghai, but I actually lived. I rented an apartment right off Fushing Park for a couple of months.、Uh, wow! At, before I, I started Wild、part. China, back then I was working for Sea Trip at very、oh. very early. <laughs> so、okay. I loved the park except one thing: every morning、okay. at six a.m.、Mm-hmm. they would wake me up. No, loud、right. music, the, loud, the ladies.、Yes. But then, when you go down there, they are so adorable. They're doing their morning dances, exercises, fan、uh-huh. dances, tai chi, and sword dances. All sorts of outdoor open gym. It, it's fantastic,、right. which is a must-have experience. You know, I wanted to share that among all my conversations with friends who live, travel to China, and myself as well. I, I strongly agree with one friend who said Beijing is cut out to be. The grand capital, because the avenues, the Chang'an Avenue, everything's so wide. It's for the arrays of you know multiple cars moving down the same lane, and it's very grand capital style. But Shanghai,、mm-hmm. majority we're referring to the old western side of Shanghai. It's cut out like an elegant sort of human being. You know, it's really cut、mm-hmm. out for walking. For people, you you can smell the sizzling in the walk and see the steam rising from the noodle bowls. And by the way, I love the view of walking in your alleyways where you see drying saltfish and laundry.、Mm-hmm. 
hung outside and the windows together. I have to say they're disappearing. So whatever you experienced in the past will be a precious part of your memory because the shikuman, the stone frame gatehouses are under remodeling so much. Mm. I know the salty fish one store down the Xintendi area. They're doing a, a big remodeling and development project in that place. The narrow alleys in Beijing, you call Hutong, but in Shanghai, you still remember what we call the Li Nong. Li right? Nong. It came, mm-hmm. Li Nong, yes. Actually, Li Nong came from the English word lane, L-A-N-E, lane. The Shanghai local dialect, Li Nong is like Li Nong, Li Nong. So we copied a lot of the words in Shanghai language, the Shanghainese, we copied from the pronunciation from English, like cement, cement, the floor. We Shanghainese say smunting, cement. So it comes from originally from the Western population. How interesting. It's a little bit like Japanese language. Yes. Like yes. computer. Yes. They would have some yes. sound that sounds like that. Exactly. Yeah. Like ice cream, volleyball in Japanese, they all just use the English word. So we have a lot. We even use beggar. Beggar. Back say, beggars say, we call, you know, the Shanghainese say, it means a very poor, cheap people because it comes from beggars say. In Mandarin, it's Yes. <laughs> yeah, we can say a lot of those words. <laughs> yeah, so it's a fascinating city, true. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. it is, and, it is. Uh, about Fushing Park, you know, just between you and me, I have personal tips for you. If you ever come to Fushing Park for one more time, you get to notice one thing. China is famous for the square dancing, square dancing. Mm-hmm. But in the Fuxing Park, nobody does that. It has to be the classic, very elegant ballroom dancing. And the traditional items are getting less now. It's harder for us to see Kung Fu or Tai Chi, just smaller groups. And more right. are doing modern activities. Which... It's a bit of a pity because I tend to yeah. view myself in Wild China a bit sort of a nostalgic traveler type. Mm. We look for traditions and um, things mm-hmm. that define the, the flavor of the city. So tell me, Flav, yeah. to you, what sort of must-have experiences that define Shanghai for you? Well, I would name a few. One of it is still definitely the French concessions walking tour. That walking tour... Because French concession is, in general, it's a large area. So we will purposely select a few spots with history or the unique architecture or just a atmosphere, like what you mentioned. I love this word, the nostalgic. Nostalgic is going to be the theme for a tour. I would say in the following decade, we all want to reminisce those beautiful golden eras or ages of our history. So in French concession, there are a lot of landmarks will remind you that part. For example, the, the little White House, a building used by the French ruler back to the 1920s. And just it looks exactly a whole little White House castle, also very popular among the Chinese travelers. And one more thing I have to share with you for now. The red tourism is extremely popular in these few months because this is the 100th year of China, mm. uh, the Communist Party of China. So we have red buses running. All the sites are after renovation open to public. So it's combining with the charm of the concessions. Many of those sites were located in the French concession. This is part of the Communist Party's history that most people in the West are not familiar with, right? The first party's gathering 
actually took place in the very heart of the French concession in Shanghai. Correct. Yes. Now it's called Shintendi. During the 1921 year, that period, most of the founders of this party came back from France or Europe because they learned this theory from Europe. And that's why they found French concession to be safer from like a prosecution or assassination instead of the old Chinatown. It's a more safer area. This is the site of the first Congress. And the site of the second Congress actually is located at the former British concession. (laughs) So none of them is in the Chinatown. That's one. I would say, I know you may not agree with me, but I would say if we say experiences, it's like when you travel to Shanghai, there are a few must-see places. So I would definitely put Bund in my list and probably the top of my list. I completely agree Mm -hmm. with you. I think that's a very special experience. Just to quickly say the Bund, the western bank of the Bungku River, providing you a wonderful panoramic view of Pudong Peninsula, which was built within 31 years, and the fantastic architecture. We call it the Outdoor Museum of Architectures on the western side. Peace Hotel, HSBC's former site, Hong Kong Shanghai Banking Corporation's former site in Asia, and their original headquarter as well. So that'd be Bund. Then Pudong, for sure. Let's take one example because it's such a big peninsula. So I would say Shanghai Tower. Shanghai Tower holds multiple world records. Fastest elevator in the whole world, biggest damper, heaviest damper in the whole world, and the tallest observatory deck so far in the whole world. The tallest hotel is going to be open soon called J Hotel. I think they're having a soft opening and their lobby is apparently going to be like about 110th floor. And... One more thing I discovered in the Shanghai Tower lately is a hidden drill in this building's mid-floor at about 38th floor. They have a private kind of a section of art center and a small piece of Chinese garden. They call it the half-acre private garden. So they are not really open to public in a large scale. With our reservation, we will give you the privilege to have a look at those two places. And the reason I mentioned this art center was because different from the Shanghai Museum, this art center displays thousands of pieces of art used to traditional art scales. I would say like lacquerware, jade carving, embroidery, boxwood carving made by the modern artisans. Totally about 28 artisans from the National Arts and Crafts Institute, the masters, even from the intangible cultural heritage masters. So they are very precious. A wonderful for appreciation. Feels so close to your life as well. That sounds great. Just sounds like it's constantly updating. It's already Correct. new exhibits and um, already very different from when I visited last time. And by the mm-hmm. way, I just want to add the Bund walk to learn about the history and the architecture of all the buildings there is very similar experience to the boat tour in Chicago. In Chicago, they also have some of the very, very old architectures of America because Mm -hmm. it was a booming industrial town, right? So they had Mm. a lot of old buildings as well. Very similar experience, except in Shanghai. You mostly can walk this. One of my favorite things to do is to stay at the Peninsula Hotel and run on Mm. the Bund in the Mm -hmm. morning. Mm -hmm. So let's um, move on to talk a little bit about the amazing, luxurious accommodations, but also just incredible service that Shanghai offers. I think Shanghai people are the city 
that is known to have great service. So tell us about Thank a couple you. of your favorite top three. Sure. Thanks so much for your very nice compliments. I do think Shanghainese learned a lot from Western culture back to from the opium war times. So yes, my top three, I chose them for the location. First of all, the topest has to be the peninsula. It's your favorite, my favorite, and among a lot of our customers, it's always the number one. Because of its ideal location, Peninsula provides not just the service, but the view and the easy access to all these Michelin restaurants down the bund. Easily walk there within 10 minutes or take a taxi within 10 minutes to almost everywhere. Even if you need to go to French concession, it takes probably just 20 minutes. So the peninsula, another feature is that down the entire bund area, because it's a historical preservation area, there was basically no new building allowed to be constructed except this Peninsula Hotel, the only modern architecture, though the style resembles the traditional kind of art deco. And they did a good job. They controlled their height within the 14th floors, so it will be more harmoniously sitting together with the rest of the colonial buildings. And the Peninsula's service is outstanding. Because I know them so well, starting from 2010, we worked together for a lot of VIP clients. And their conversion rate, I mean, the service conversion rate is like averagely four people works for one room. It's a very high conversion rate in the hotel service area. So Peninsula, but make sure to avoid public holidays to stay there, particularly the big days like Liberation Holiday, May Day Holiday, May 1st. Labor Day holiday during these two time and the Western New Year's Eve, because during those periods, the streets down the peninsulas are likely to be locked down. It will cause you lots of inconvenience to get access to the hotel lobby. Many times you would have to walk maybe a mile or two. So that would be the issue. And the second one, I pick it because of the location and its height. So before the tallest hotel, J Hotel, is going to open to public officially, maybe later this year, I still recommend the World Financial Center building called the Park Hyatt Hotel. May you might not be very familiar with Park Hyatt. Pudong is less intimacy, less charisma or charm. So most of the first-time travelers, I would not recommend to stay in Pudong area. But for those who would love to have a little bit adventurous experience, like accommodation experience, Pudong High Build could be one try. The Park Hyatt Hotel is located on the topper part of the Shanghai World Financial Center, which is about 100 story. And their lobby is on 87th floor, and the rooms are between the 70s to the 80s. And they even have two top restaurants and bars on like 91st and 93. It will give you, if the weather allows, it will give you a sort of like feeling you're living in the middle of the sky, I would say. <laughs> so it's like you're above the entire Shanghai. Taking elevator could be a little bit troublesome sometimes, you know. So that would be my second pick, just because of the location and the height. Third is the French concession property called Capella. You stayed there before. It's a remodeled project by the Capella Group. And using the original featured architecture called Shikuman. That is the major reason I picked because not only the architecture itself, but the French concession, that area is also a charm to most of the visitors. The disadvantage, I would say, uh, one week streets near the hotel could be a little trouble during the rush hours and the complicated 
indoor structure of the stone-framed gatehouse could be a little issue for senior citizens. The Capella building's rooms are absolutely exquisite. It's very beautiful. If I may add, the Bulgari Hotel. Mm, Bulgari, it's sure. a, it's a mm-hmm. luxurious property, it's similar like the Bling Bling fashion brand. However, mm. what I liked about it is the um, service level. Located not far from the peninsula, but it's on Suzhou Creek, a lovely Cantonese restaurant, a Hong Kong restaurant in a separate building uh, on the same property. Yes. The service, it's only like 50-something rooms. I was very impressed. I walk in the room. My name was on the stationery. And um, seems like the hotel manager knows your schedule, which certain people enjoy. Certain people will find it <laughs> extra caring. Certain people will find it, oh my God, they're invading my privacy. It's stuff that you mentioned on the way. Like when you're heading That's out the true. door, he goes like, oh, where are you headed? You go like, I'm going to a meeting. And when you return, he goes, how was your meeting? Took me by surprise (laughs) a little bit, right? But the rooms are enjoyable. It's a bit, the Uh the decoration style is more traditional luxury. So Mm. it's a little more fancy than Mm. the more cleaner, modern, streamlined style that I personally like. Moving on, Shanghai food, my mouth is watering. I'm thinking of those <laughs> stewed pork bellies and the jamasuya, hajusuji, all oh, of those. The vegetarian oh, my duck. God. Or the vegetarian ham. Yes, yes, yes. Tell Correct. us, uh-huh. what are the favorite dishes and places to go have them? Okay, wonderful. The food, it's always about food. You know, it reminds me of our famous gastronomic tour led by Fuxia every year before the pandemic. So in Shanghai, Shanghainese are very picky. If you talk about Shanghainese eating their food, they will tell you specifically which food to go to a specific restaurant. For example, if you would love to have the grandma's pork, pork belly with the soy sauce, we would all have a list of the places to go. And only for that dish. Then if you talk about duck, there's a duck called braised duck with eight treasures. So basically, they empty the duck, similar to the Beijing duck, but it's not roasted. We empty the duck's organ, then stuff sticky rice together with other eight types of ingredients, including mushrooms, pickles, and herbs. Basically, steam it, then later on, stir fry and boil with the soy sauce and braise it first, just cook for maybe an hour or so. All the meat and the aroma flavors from these ingredients will go to the meat of the duck. So in that dish, it takes a day, I would say, to prepare. We would go to one restaurant specifically called Lü Bolang. So we would go for that restaurant because it definitely only this restaurant is supposed to serve the most authentic and the best food. Then the steamed dumpling, xiaolongbao, xiao, little steamed dumpling. The xiaolongbao is always a must try. And they have so many versions. So you have the Ding Taifeng family, <laughs> you have the Jia Jia Tang Bao, and you have the traditional Nanshang Xiaolongbao. It's all about the difference between ingredients. Sometimes like Ding Taifeng is more modernized by Western clients. So they serve chicken meat and vegetarian Xiaolongbao. But the traditional Nanshang Xiaolongbao is basically just pork or pork mixed her with shrimp meat or the crab meat, you know, the famous hairy crab from Yangcheng Lake. Then the jia jia tang bao is because of the tang, the soup. So a lot of the Shanghainese would love to try the jia jia tang bao for the broth. 
and we're willing to line up for hours to try these delicacies. Other than these, noodles are always a must-try. Noodles with the scallion, we call the the scallion and the oil mixed with soy sauce and noodle. And it's really just one of the best quick lunch options. Um, so <laughs> I am hungry. My mouth is watering. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry to mention all of these delicacies during your dinner hour. <laughs> so uh, please make yourself a bowl of noodle tomorrow, maybe. <laughs> I have to say we have so many Michelin star Western restaurants. You know, the most fancy Michelin restaurant is from this ultraviolet, right? You heard about mm-hmm. the ultraviolet. Yeah. yeah. Only eight people allowed per night and you need to book ahead of the time for at least two to three months time. This is great. Thank you so much, Flo. I just want to wrap and say Shanghai, I personally think it's a place where you really get to see both the recent history of Shanghai, but more importantly, Shanghai gives you the outlook of where China is headed. The extraordinarily tall buildings that Flo's talking about, the vibrant modern art scene we didn't even get a chance to talk about, Mm. and um, the fabulous five-star hotels, the hospitality. Shanghai people really know that their pickiness is our benefit. You pick on service, so we get the best. That's true. Is that fair? Yes, very fair, super fair. So I would highly, highly recommend to either, you know, just plan a trip to Shanghai, which is a luxury most of us don't have. Spend two, three days in Shanghai and make it the ending point of any China journey. Right. Mm-hmm. And also, if you have two more days, go out to Suzhou, go out to Hangzhou to visit the gardens. Mm. Right. That will make the whole sort of one week in Shanghai region highly meaningful and beautiful and tasty. Absolutely. Yeah. The Yanzi River Delta, that's what we call the small golden triangle Shanghai, Suzhou, Hangzhou, three okay. cities. Do some shopping here as well. You know, remember the beautiful porcelain, silk, brocade, dresses, arts and crafts in Shanghai. Shanghai will be a perfect ending stop. Yes. And one thing I do want to say is I personally hate those tourist trinket shops. So at Wild China, we don't go to any (laughs) of these tourist shopping places. Flo, you'd have to whip out your personal shopping destinations for our guests when we come. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Fantastic. Thank uh-huh. you so much, Flo. And thanks Always for taking the time. Just made me homesick once again. And uh, I hope to visit Shanghai and visit you very soon. Wild China Travel presents the China Travel Podcast, hosted by me, Kendra Tombolato, and Wild China founder, Mei Zhang. In this series, we'll be traveling to a different place in China each week to share our local tips and expert travel advice. Catch our weekly podcast. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. 